0: morning, we're getting back to our series on the fulfillment of the Kingdom. This whole year we've been talking about the Kingdom of God. Now, the Kingdom of God is part of several kingdoms that are all operating at the same time. We have the Kingdom of Humanity, Kingdom of Men. There's a kingdom running right now called the Kingdom of Darkness. That's the devil and his crowd. And there's the Kingdom of God. Now, the Kingdom of God is a spiritual, invisible kingdom that rests in the hearts of the believer and only there. Jesus said you have to be born again to get it and even see it. But there is coming a kingdom called the kingdom of heaven on earth. When that happens Jesus will be back. And everything that's wrong will be made right. But before he comes there seems to be in the devil a desire to always get in there first. Going all the way back to Genesis chapter 4 where a young man named Cain and Abel knew they needed to take some time and worship God. And Cain went right up and showed off his best efforts and God ignored him. Abel gave the best of his sheep and God accepted them. And Cain did what to Abel? He murdered him uh, out of envy. So... From the very start, there seems to be this attitude of a a uh, power-grabbing focus by the devil before God establishes his power. For example, before God brought a king to Israel, who did the Israelites first demand to be their king? Saul. Now, Saul was not God's choice. Saul was their own choice. Saul turned out to be a very bad choice. So you'll find... Even in the temple, Jesus points out there were two men there getting ready to pray, and who was up first praying? But the Pharisee, who stood up there and began to brag and boast about how uh, good he was and how he was not like other men. And there was ooh, there was a publican over on the other side, a very very sinful man, beating upon his chest, saying, "I'm not worthy for you to hear me, but have mercy on me." Now. That brings us to the place where we're going to talk about a guy coming called the Antichrist, whose main goal is to get the kingdom before Christ does. So, I want to expose this guy, this guy that, I, that the Bible calls man of sin. And to do that, we need to go to 2 Thessalonians. I need you to stand with me. We will read five verses, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. We will read it together. And we're going to learn about this guy. It's part two, but you could you could spend a month of Sundays trying to understand him. He's one of the most complex beings in the universe. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. Let's read it together out loud. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, So that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not, that when I was yet with you, I told you these things? So Paul says, don't you remember when I taught you about this? And so it's very important for us to learn it too. Let's pray. Father, teach us this morning. Wake us up. Don't let us join with the world being asleep. The world is headed into a time called the Great Tribulation, and it is unready And it's a shame that a lot of Christians are also unawares of all the things that are shaping up and focusing on this big fight that's coming up. Lord, I know you're the winner. I've read the last chapter. I know you win. But in the big scheme of things, there's still a fight. I pray the fight has already been won in every heart here. Lord, please deliver us from the grip of such... Ignorance about where we're headed. Lord, help us to be aware that we, we are supposed to be a resistance to the powers of darkness. We're supposed to believe that light still works and still stops the darkness that is growing in this world. Lord, I pray that Christians don't stand down, don't fall back, but that we realize that our very presence still hinders the work of this man of sin. We need to expose him. And we need to realize that he's at work even today, and we need to resist that. So, Lord, in this room, please be the only Lord today. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Now, the whole world is soon going to be spellbound by one man. In spite of all the hatred of men that is basically put forth, In everything, in spite of all the feminism that's out there, there is coming a guy that the whole world is going to be ooing and gooing and gagaing over. He's called the Antichrist. People will be deceived into believing this new guy is the world's true Savior, the true Messiah, and that Jesus was a liar. Jesus was a deceiver and a fraud. But that's just the beginning. This Antichrist is going to claim to be bringing in world peace, bringing together people in unity, and bringing about prosperity, but instead, he will make this world into a living hell like we can't imagine. What's most amazing is, during it all, he will constantly divert attention from off of himself and his plans and say it's God's fault. He will actually gather people in such anger against God that He will prepare them to fight Him in a valley called Megiddo. We call it the Battle of Armageddon. I can't comprehend that people would think that if they just got together, if they got the technology, if they had all the armies, they could finally get rid of God. I don't understand that, and yet He will convince them of that. It's unbelievable that people hate God that intensely, and yet that's what we see today. I have watched in my 39 years of being saved that Western society has moved away from the old Jesus of the Bible and they moved to Jesus 2.0. They believe and they will follow a Jesus that does not tell them anything that they should do but what somebody else needs to do. That... Jesus would never offend and Jesus would never correct and rebuke and would never uh, interfere. Jesus would just love everybody and just accept everybody into heaven. That's Jesus 2.0. But that is the doctrine of the Antichrist, not the doctrine of God. You know, uh, this, our world is desperately tearing down every shred of the, evi- of the existence of Jesus And every influence that Jesus ever had in our courts, in our homes, everything that used to be helped by knowing and and, and believing in Jesus, the Son of God, is being removed from society so nobody's safe. I have watched charts go off the scale on heroin overdoses, on drug overdoses, on drink, on everything that even just 30 years ago was really a low-level problem. It is now at the top, they can't give away enough needles. They can't help enough people because it's just feeding and becoming worse and worse. You know why? Because they replaced Jesus Christ with the government. They replaced Jesus Christ with religious leaders and religious opinions. Talked to somebody yesterday and this person was saying, ah, you know, it's not that important that I read the Bible. I said, look, I could tell you all about God, but you'd be trusting me. You need to read the Bible and see what he said for yourself. And so this world is filled with churches who people willingly go to hear somebody instead of Jesus Christ. I'm here to introduce you to the doctrine that is getting people to trust people, and that's the devil. You better be Bible readers. You better know that when we open the Bible, we're listening to God, not the man. One of these days, well, let me take you there. This Antichrist seriously warned about coming. Go to John chapter 5, Gospel of John chapter 5. By the way, in, in over the last, I don't know, 50 years or whatever, maybe less, generations now have replaced Jesus Christ with movie stars, sports stars, rock stars, the rich and the powerful. You know, people get tired of that. They find out they're all, all their feet are made of clay. And they're going to yearn for somebody who's perfect. I'll talk about that in just a second. Jesus seriously warned about this guy coming. John chapter 5 and verse 43. I, Jesus says, am come in my Father's name. And ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye will Receive. This is the most amazing warning by Jesus. If you do not accept Jesus, the Messiah, as your Savior of your life, there will come a time when the only one you will receive, the only one that you will obey and that you will follow, will be another Christ, the Antichrist. This other Christ is not only going to walk and talk like he's a good guy, he will claim to be the Messiah, but he will oppose Jesus in every way He's going to come into this world, if he's not already here, to bring in the complete destruction of nations. You know what has saved England from absolute destruction? It has not been its government. Have you seen it actually do anything in the last three years? The only thing that ever saved England from absolute destruction was Bible preaching. God blessed England with some of the greatest preachers of all time that brought English people to their knees and brought revival and brought great awakenings to a land that was dark and needed God. And that's the only thing that saved England, and it's the only thing that'll save Ireland. But this Antichrist, when he comes in this world, he will bring about the complete destruction of nations, of cultures, of all the liberties, and all of our homes and all of our families, his desire is to destroy. He's called the Antichrist. He's called the Wicked One. He's called the Man of Sin, the Son of Perdition. And as we're going to see in just a few minutes in Revelation chapter 13, he is called the Beast. Did you ever think of Jesus? What's the symbolism that we associate with Jesus? The Lamb of God. Self sacrifice. What does God point out and you need to associate with the Antichrist? He's a creature. He's a beast. When you understand the the words of Scripture, trying to warn you and trying to tell you, there is coming something no horror movie can even begin to describe. As we sit here today, everything is being prepared, if it's not already prepared, for this man of sin to burst on the scene. I proved it to you. Several weeks ago, I gave you a dozen clear signs of the times, right now being unlike any other time before. Matthew chapter 24, Jesus lists about a dozen very clear things. He says the united Europe under Rome coming together. Daniel chapter 2 says there will be one empire, a Roman empire. The spread of a one-world government running from Rome to the furthest island of of the world. The mark of the beast being implemented, and I'll talk about that more. The collapse of money, and its replacement with a mark. Technology exploding exponentially. I don't even want to ask you, how many of you have a, a mobile phone? But ca- can you imagine the fact that there are people who have no homes, who have no food, but they've got a mobile phone? And they've got Netflix or Hulu or something on there. Technology has exploded, whether you're in Central America, Central Africa, or Central Ireland. It is everywhere, and it's only been within the last 50 years. Knowledge increasing exponentially. It is unfathomable, the amount of information that people are trying to process every day. Worldwide travel, you can go anywhere you want. Israel, back in her land, and you know what they're doing? They're speaking biblical Hebrew. 4,000-year-old language. The Jews are even back in Jerusalem since the Six-Day War. They're walking in Jerusalem. The Temple Mount is theirs. Wasn't like that for the last uh, 1,800 years. And just watching the present-day rejection of the fact that Jesus is coming back, even by Christians, just watching people just go, eh, not really interested. You know what Jesus says in Luke 18.8? He says, when the Son of Man comes back, shall he find faith on the earth? He says, things are falling apart, and he predicted it, and I'm watching it happen. These are all an increase in the sorrows, the birth pains that lead up to the coming of the kingdom. Now, why is it almost no one cares that he's coming? Why is the world so ignorant, unaware of it? Why are even Christians not interested? Well, you just, you, they're not even interested in a life as it is. You couldn't move them if a bomb went off next to them. But you know, the focus of our lives has moved from reality to self. To, to what makes us happy. God's prophets never called people to ever experience prof- uh, prosperity. You will look throughout your Bible and God never said, follow me and I'll make your life better. Follow me and I'll make your life holy, he said. Follow me and I'll make your life a little uncomfortable, if not a lot. Follow me and you might lose it. So we're watching entire nations abandon every sense of morality, every religion. Not because they've discovered truth, but because they believe there is no truth anymore. The only reality that people have today is pleasure. Now I've got some questions for you that we're going to try to answer as briefly as possible. Why is it so important to pay attention to this guy called the Antichrist? What are his designs? What are his plans? What is he scheming? We're not to be ignorant ignorant of his devices, or what we would say his schemings or his devisings. Just how powerful is this man? What, will, what how kind of power is he going to have? And what will he do with that power? What will the world be like when he comes? does the world follow him when he is so evil? You ever wonder that? Where is he now? September 8th, 2019. Where is he? What is he doing right now? And how do we react to his work and plan? So, let's go back and do a little bit of uh, review. Tribulation. It's a simple word. It's an older word. It simply means trouble. It's not just a bad hair day or a broken fingernail. Or the car not starting. Tribulation means a thrashing. uh, An affliction, misery, distress, pain, torment. A series of absolute disasters. That's true. Somebody says, oh, I'm going through tribulation. You have no idea what you're saying. You're going through some trouble, but you're not going through the tribulation. The tribulation is basically seven years of the worst disasters ever imaginable on a worldwide scale ever-increasing hell on earth, until the day Christ comes back and He resets everything. Jesus said this in Matthew twenty four twenty one. For then shall be great tribulation, such as what is not since the beginning of the world, that includes Noah's flood, that includes Sodom and Gomorrah. This time, called the great tribulation, will be worse than all disasters of all time, and nor ever shall be. There is no time as bad as, as tribulation in any of the future. The, same, the, the truth is you do not want to be around when the tribulation comes. So the seven-year tribulation is simplified this way, okay? As I said, it's a time of increasing disasters and judgments on this earth. If you want to go back, go back and watch Pharaoh as he fights and resists Moses saying, you better let my people go. So Pharaoh is a type of the Antichrist, and he would rather destroy Egypt than obey God. And so, disaster after disaster, what do we call them in the Bible? They're called plagues. Happens. Each one destroys more of Egypt, which was a type of the world. Tribulation is actually divided into two parts. There is what, what Jesus calls the tribulation. It's the first three and a half years. You divide seven into three and a half. And then there's the last three and a half years, which is called the great tribulation. Now, uh, During the tribulation, there is a a sequence of events that is started and built across the time frame. You have the Antichrist, you have coming war, you have famines, you have death and hell spanning the entire seven years. It just gets worse. The Antichrist is in charge and he brings nothing good. The only thing that fixes it is when Jesus comes back. It's when Dad comes home. Now, during the first half of the tribulation, you have the Antichrist building up uh, uh, a a, a, um, uh, confidence and getting people to trust him and allow him to take over. In spite of all the troubles, they start to look to some guy to be the Savior. And that's when this prince, Daniel calls him, the prince that shall come, will come. And... If you want to read about it you ought to read daniel chapter 9 we looked at it several weeks ago we and all of the prophecies that talk about this kind of guy who's going to bring in a peace to the world a sort of peace he's negotiate he's going to negotiate one of the greatest peace treaties ever will where he will allow the jews and the muslims to be the best of buddies and the jews will be allowed to rebuild their temple because you say, well, what's going on? The Antichrist only wants one thing. Not Israel to have her temple, but for a temple for him to be able to sit down in and claim to be God. So he allows the Jews to get into a peaceful relationship with the Muslims. Things are all honky dory But the Antichrist will be so attractive, people will begin to worship him. Think of a rock concert. I've never seen a generation lose so many of their rights as our generation has lost in the last 20 years. And we've done it willingly. When I got saved, 1980, when I got saved, I, could, I, I thought the Antichrist would have to come and would have to fight for every square inch and for every country and every city. I'm watching people just... Take it, take it, I don't, uh, as long as I can watch my Xbox, as long as I can wear virtual reality, as long as I can live my own way, you can have every one of my rights. He will establish a covenant of world peace. And then right in the middle, oh, well, let me jump, uh, right in the middle I'll talk about uh, um, something in just a second. The second half is the beginning of the great tribulation when the most unimaginable disasters will be poured out on this world. The earth will go out of control. Famines, earthquakes, hurricanes will rage, and tsunamis will rage across the oceans, the Bible says. The heavens will go out of control. The sun is going to go dark. The moon is going to be turned into blood. Stars will literally fall out of the sky as meteors slamming into the earth. An asteroid, I don't know how big, these things are, some of them are planet scale. If, if one of them, just 10 miles across, slammed into our planet, all of life would be gone. 10 miles is enough to snuff out this, this life of ours. But an asteroid is going to slam into the Mediterranean Sea, the Bible says. A comet is going to explode over uh, uh, northwest Asia, poisoning all the rivers and the drinking water of over a billion people. You say, that doesn't, you know, 100 years ago before telescopes really got good, everybody laughed at all of those prophecies and said, How does a mountain fall out of the sky? And then they started finding mountains out there. And then they started, over the last 25 years, they've got like 29 telescopes scanning the sky every day, every night, looking for rocks coming at Earth. Because they know they're coming. That's what's going to happen during the tribulation. People are going to go out of control. Jesus said, because the love, um, because sin will abound, iniquity is going to abound, the love of many, many will wax cold. Abundant sin, no love. And that's where we live. Marriages are simply tolerance sessions. Homes are run by the children. People don't know love, they only know lo- lust and sex. People will go out of control. An army of 200 million soldiers will surround the Middle East to attack, try to attack Israel. Intense persecution. It just goes on and on and on. But right in the middle of there, somebody's going to try to set up a throne and reign over it all. Behold, the Antichrist. So I want to talk about two beasts. We need to go to Revelation chapter 13 now. When Jesus came to start his ministry, there was somebody ahead of him who introduced and got the world ready for him. Who was that? John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist did no miracle, did he? He never raised the dead. He never healed anybody. All he did was call people to repentance and to prepare for the Lord. But there is coming another duo. And he has somebody who's going to introduce, the Antichrist has somebody who's going to introduce him. He's called the false prophet. So we're going to talk about these two guys. First of all, let's go to Revelation chapter 13. And, and you'll find that the, that the book of Revelation is full of symbolic languages, uh, symbolic words and symbolic language. You know why? Because the Bible is. So the Bible uses illustrations in... in Uh, examples so that you get a better meaning. You can just point to something and go there. Or you can say, that is like this. And you go, I understand it better now. So the book of Revelation is full of symbolic language. But the thing is, it reveals all the symbols of the Old Testament. So whenever you see a symbol in the book of Revelation, it's pointed to something in the Old Testament that maybe you didn't know what it was. Hence, the name of the book is... Revelation, which means revealing. God's trying to open up all of the things that were mysterious. Things that were hidden in the Old Testament. So let's start with this first guy. Revelation chapter 13. I'm just going to read verses 1 to 10, and then we're going to look at this guy. I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were the feet of a bear, and his mouth is the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and his great authority. I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast, and they worshipped the dragon which gave power unto the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue forty in two months. How long is that? Three and a half years. That's half of the seven-year tribulation. He opened his mouth, verse 6, in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. It was given unto him to make war with the saints and overcome them. And power was given him him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. How many? All. Every single nation, every single city, every single hamlet, every single country of this world, he will finally have control over what Alexander the Great could not do. What Winston Churchill, Nazi Germany, and Adolf Hitler, what... uh, Um, uh, um, Emperor Nero and Napoleon Bonaparte. What every world leader and despot tried to do and failed, the Antichrist will accomplish. Keep going. Verse 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life. These are not Christians. Of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And If any man have an ear, do you guys have ears? Then hear it. Then let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall himself go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. When this thing opens up and the devil during the last half of the tribulation goes after the saints, the saints will not fight back. They'll have patience and they'll wait on God and they'll wait for Jesus to come back. Points about this guy, let me just, um, uh, this first beast on the outside is a literal man. As a matter of fact, I kind of think that he's the perfect man. But I don't like that picture. Anyway, um, he's a perfect man. Beneath that skin lies the most wicked of spirits ever to exist, a creature no horror movie has ever portrayed. Spiritually, he has seven heads and ten horns. Jesus spiritually is a lamb. Again, God describes this man as a beast. He is the fulfillment of all of Daniel's prophecies about a coming demonic prince that takes over the whole world. Read the book of Daniel, folks. You'll see him just rush to get into the kingdom try to take over before before God does. And this is not his first appearance. How many of you remember in the Garden of Eden... Somebody's walking up to Eve, and what's he called? He's called the serpent. And he says, hmm, did God really say, and you won't surely die, and hey, why don't you have a bite? Who was that? That was the devil incarnate as a snake that spoke, that walked, and talked. John chapter 6. You're in, hold your place here in Revelation chapter 13. Go to John chapter 6. John chapter 6 and verse 70. Jesus answered his disciples and said, Have I not chosen you twelve and one of you is a what? And who was he referring to? So we've seen the Antichrist show up in the old, uh, throughout the Bible. I showed him other, other times. See him, Korah, standing up to Moses is a type of the Antichrist, the spirit of the Antichrist. Throughout the Bible, Judas was an appearance of the Antichrist before he shows up here. Now, there are really three beasts here. Go back to Revelation, Revelation chapter 13, in verse 2. The beast which I saw was likened to three things. He, li- he likens him unto a leopard, his feet like the feet of a bear, and his mouth is the mouth of a lion. Now, a leopards are fast. Now, if you understand that, this leopard, he, this, this guy is like a leopard. He's got three and a half years to accomplish, actually seven to start, but the last three and a half years, the Bible says he knows he has but a short time. So he's as fast as a leopard. He has the feet of a bear you do not want to ever get into a tussle with a bear. This guy fights like a bear, tears every opponent apart, and he has the mouth of a roaring lion. No one opposes him because he terrifies them. Put, if you could put a leopard and a bear and a lion together, you'd have the most terrifying creature ever, and there he is. He gets three things from Satan himself, from the dragon. Verse 2 goes on. He says, and the dragon, which is Satan gave him his power and his seat and even his great authority. So he's empowered by Satan himself dwelling in him. You know, uh, there in Luke chapter 22, temporarily, Judas is, is, is doing his own will, thinking he's, doing, he's, he's, he's just uh, come up with these ideas himself, but it says, and Satan entered into Judas. Judas went and sold Jesus down the river, made it possible for Jesus to be crucified. Every bit of power this evil man has comes from Satan. He comes from the Mediterranean area. Now, I don't know where. I don't think he comes from Spain. I don't think he comes from France or Italy. He probably comes from this area around here. And my guess is right there. But that's because I just read my Bible. But anyway... He comes from, the, it says, from the sea. So the sea there is not just general sea. It's from the Mediterranean Sea. Every Jew that Jesus was speaking to and that John is speaking to, when they talk about the sea, it talked about the Mediterranean Sea. That bit of water right there, he comes from there. He's half Syrian. He's half Jew. He's like Judas Iscariot himself. Judas was not all 100% Jew. He was half Jewish. And half from Iscariot, he from Kerioth, he was from Syria. He will not be religious. Let me read Daniel eleven thirty seven. Neither shall he, the Antichrist, regard the God of his fathers. The Antichrist, not honoring the God of his fathers, because he's a Jew, he'll reject the Jewish God, nor the desire of women. He has no regard for the desire of women, so he's probably queer. Nor nor does he regard any God, for he shall magnify himself above all. So, this guy will not be Jewish in his religion. He will not be Muslim. He will not be Christian. He'll be an atheist. You know, the fastest growing religion in the world is atheism. And yet, this guy is a great hypocrite because he doesn't worship anybody, but he wants the whole world to worship him. This guy goes on and he gets seriously wounded. There in Revelation 13 and verse 3. I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to what? Wounded to death. And his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered at him. All right? Now, this wound is prophesied. I, you're in Revelation. You can leave that for a moment because i got two scriptures to go to. Just before Matthew is a, is a book called Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 11 and verse 17. You say, this is scaring me, Pastor. Good. Good. Because you're part of the the whole system that's lulling everybody to sleep so that nobody's aware that this is coming. Zechariah chapter 11 and verse 17. Woe to the... What's that next word? Circle that word. The four-letter word. What is it? I-D-O-L. Idol. He's the idol shepherd. What is an idol? Something that's worshipped that's not God. So here is an idol shepherd. Woe to the idol shepherd that leaveth the flock. The sword shall be upon his arm, and upon which eye? His right eye. His arm shall be clean, dried up. It'll be dead. And his right eye shall be utterly darkened. That's why I got a dark right eye there. So the wound is literal. He'll have a deadly wound on his right arm and his right eye. And it leaves him crippled. And then lo and behold, he's miraculously healed. He's raised back from the dead. So when they've already got him ready to be buried, and they're having the ceremony, and that false prophet is up there, having the whole world weep and sorrow over the loss of this great political leader, and the false prophet puts his hand on that casket, and then steps back and out pops that man. You tell me the world won't stop breathing. That's coming. You see, just as Jesus Christ was killed, buried, and rose again, the Antichrist is going to fake it. And they will worship him, and the world will fanatically follow him and obey him. They get excited about this guy. They'll be ready to do whatever he says. Who's going to be able to go against this man? Now, what are his intentions? Look back there in Revelation 13, 7. Revelation 13, 7. It was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. There will be believers in that day. Not us. We'll be gone, but new believers getting saved by the 144,000 going out witnessing. To make war with the saints, and he will overcome them. And power was given to him over all kindreds and tongues and nations, and that all that dwell upon the earth, his intention is to get them all to worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So his intentions are to make war. He hates God's people. Who hates you? Do you ever have an enemy that hated you? you ever have somebody in your family that hated you? And you just, I just, man, I have no interest in you. That's that's nothing compared to the kind of hatred that Satan has for you. If you are loved by God, you are hated by the devil. So here, he seeks to make war with the saints. Right now, we have a war on drugs. We have people who have war on crime. One day, there's going to be war on the saints. He seeks to be worshipped. Isaiah 14 describes it this way. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Son of the morning, how art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation and in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet I like the last verse that says, yet thou shalt be brought down to hell. But he wants to be worshipped. He seeks to rule an entire world. And he takes over the world for the last three and a half years. And he speaks blasphemy. I've noticed, have you not, am I just, I mean, I say these things to wake you up. But haven't you noticed how fluid and how flippant and how uh, abundant is the blasphemy of God today? It is like you cannot Say a, you cannot hear a sentence without blasphemy. And There's coming somebody who will speak powerfully, blaspheming all gods, but especially the God of the Bible. He goes to war with the saints, and he takes control of every nation. And you know what's funny? Only now could one man do this. You couldn't have done it 100 years ago. You couldn't have done it 500 years ago. You couldn't have probably done it 50 years ago. But you can do it now. Is anybody listening? The kind of technology, the kind of things that we have right now are right for the Antichrist to show up and take over. I got word for you. I got warning. If you reject Jesus as your Messiah and Savior, I'm going to be out of here one of these days. You're going to go looking for me, and you're not going to find me. And then somebody's going to show up, and you go, Oh, boy, Craig was so wrong. This must be the Messiah. That's who you'll be following. Here's a statement just to scare you a little bit more. Do you realize he's already at work? You're in Revelation, go back a few pages to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 22. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? Who would do that? Who would say Jesus is not the the, the Christ? Look at the rest part of it. He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. When you start to say Jesus is not the Messiah, you're denying God, and you're denying the Messiahship, you're denying everything, and he is, that is the spirit of the Antichrist who seeks to claim to be Christ. Go to chapter 4. You're in 1 John chapter 4, verse 3. By the way, verse 1, you ought to do this Some of these people on the God channel, most of the people on God channel, uh, many churches are filled with all kinds of spirits. Some people don't believe that spirits can influence and can occupy the thoughts and the hearts of Christians. Let me tell you, you better be careful because they occupy you all the time without you resisting them and you being walking in the spirit and being filled with the spirit. The Bible says, beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits. Those are things that, that, that speak into your own head. Try them, put them to the test, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, that's the Spirit from God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And that is the Spirit of who? Of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. The Antichrist is already getting people to deny Jesus. and get. I, uh, years ago, there was a big deal where teenagers were sitting in front of a YouTube channel, and they were recording them saying, I hereby blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Hopefully, you never saw any of that. But there was a period of time where everybody just wanted to claim that they were blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Where did that Spirit come from? It didn't come from thinking. It came from the Antichrist. Getting teenagers and children to blatantly disobey and dishonor their parents. Never has any generation except the last two or three experienced what we experience with absolute hell in everybody's home because the kids, and the parents don't know how to make them obey, and the kids refuse to. And the Bible says that's a sign of the end times. Parents neglecting uh, their God-ordained job of raising their children, right? You know, I hear every, I hear every arrogant. Um, atheists standing up saying, my only job is to produce a child and then get out of their way. No wonder. You see, those are college professors who are influencing generations saying, don't try to mold your child. Let them find their own way. You know their way? is hell. There's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ends of death. It's the end of death. You do not just let them go. You raise them Right? You know what the Antichrist is doing right now in churches all across this country and all over the world? Getting Christians to mock authority. They won't listen to me tell them what's right. You'll get upset at me if I tell you this is the Bible and you go, Well, I don't like it. And I don't like your attitude. <laughs> wow, that's the spirit of the Antichrist. They mock the Bible. Well, I only like the New Testament. Really? They follow teachers instead of preachers. say, Well, I like his teaching. I love teaching too. But there comes a time when you need somebody who just tell it like it is. And just say, we need to get right. The Antichrist is getting churches to deny the urgency of repentance. Instead, well, just say you're sorry. No, no, no. There's more to it than that. People have no ability to say they're sorry because they have no idea the depth of their own hurt. Getting churches to deny the urgency just believe, just believe, just believe. The devils believe. Getting Christians, right now, Christians have turned away from God's people, the Jews, and they're mocking them, and they're saying they're not Jews. They are so, so stupid, because that is bringing, you're touching the apple of God's eye. I'm not the apple of God's eye. I'm an accident. You know what that means? I got in by the skin of my teeth. I'm a dumb dog Gentile. And I got grafted into a Jewish tree. I'm blessed because I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and He snuck me in. But God's people are the Jews, and everything in that Bible is to get them saved. For all practical purposes, I'm an accident. The fact that somebody gave me the gospel over in Texas is the, the odds of that are astronomical. Thank God it happened. But God's, in the Bible, God's whole focus is to get His people back to him. He's always been that way. And when we start mocking that and we start saying, oh, those Jews, they need to just just get out of that land and give it back to Palestine. You're stupid. And yet, that's the spirit of the Antichrist. Of course the spirit of the Antichrist is going to get you turned against the Jews because that is the Antichrist. By the way, well, let me move on. No one's going to care how wicked he is. This man will live. I mean, honestly, how many are used to Leo Varadkar being our T-shirt? How many are used to it? I mean, you don't even think about it. I mean, if you were to be honest, you'd raise your hand. Yeah, we're used to it. We don't get upset about it. He's a wicked man. Amen. Now, I'm not just singling him out and me not being wicked. I'm just as wicked as him. I'm forgiven though. He needs to get. He needs to repent and get born again himself. But we. That wickedness doesn't upset us anymore. Amen? Wake up. This Antichrist is going to get so powerful, no matter what he does. How many people were upset at uh, at, uh, um, Jeffrey Epstein until he was caught? Larry Weinstein, until he was caught. People put up with it. People let those wicked men go on. Presidents flew with him dozens of times. Bill Gates, important people, worked with these filthy, wicked men and didn't care. And it's coming where one man will be so wicked and the whole world will go, that's okay. What am I getting at? We're being so desensitized to sin. We don't care how anybody lives. We don't care how wicked this world has gotten. Talk about another guy. Look there in verse 11, Revelation chapter 13. Well let me, let me first read for you ver- chapter 16 and verse 13, 16:13. 13. Revelation 16:13, I saw three unclean spirits, like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon. This is picturesque, I know, but this is how John sees it, and he says, "And out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the." False prophet or unholy trinity, the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. Look at chapter nineteen and verse twenty. Nineteen and verse twenty. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, which with which he deceived them that received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both, and you ought to say Amen next to this. We're cast alive in the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. Amen. So why is this guy called, why is this beast called the false prophet? Go back to chapter 13. Because he's the religious guy. I told you about the Antichrist, the Antichrist is an atheist. He doesn't worship anything. He wants the whole world to worship him. But the false prophet, he's a, a religious man. Um, look at chapter 13. I'm going to read verses 11 to 17. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. He exercises all the power of the first beast before him, and he causes the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast. Who's the first beast? Stay with me. Say, Who's the first beast? we got two beasts. It's The Antichrist. So his job is to get the whole world to worship the first beast before him. And he causes the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was now healed. And he doeth great wonders, miracles, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Somebody says, I want to see a miracle. He will prove it. And deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword, and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and causes that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Hold there for a second. A hundred years ago, your great-great-grandparents, you say, there is going to come a time when I will be able to, on my phone, phone my wife and see her face. And I will be able, she'll see my face and the image will speak your granddad would have slapped you. It's impossible. An image, speaking, that's not what he's talking about, but that's almost there. Let's keep going. See, that's why I believe my Bible, because the world is catching up with it. Verse 16, He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save that he had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. So this guy is very important to know about, too, The second beast. He'll be like a young lamb at first. I mean, a young lamb's got two very small horns. It doesn't doesn't grow up into like a ram or anything. He's not dangerous. Never was at, at first. But he speaks like a dragon. He is terrifying. He's not like your normal priest or your normal religious guy who's just very quiet and timid. no. He's going to be the religious leader of the world. He will have the world in his hand. This guy will be greater than all the popes, the greatest guru, and the most powerful televangelist of all times. He has all the power of the Antichrist. And he has it for one purpose, and that's to get the whole world to worship this Antichrist. Now, how's he going to do that? Is that right there? He will do miracles. Now, you did, I hope you don't go ever to a church in order to see a miracle. I hope you do pray to see a miracle. But if you find yourself going to church to see a miracle, you're already in the devil's trap. Because that's what he's doing. If there are places where people are being raised from the dead, don't believe it. If there are people who are being healed, I, it'll be only because... Prayer, not because some jerk got up there and wiggled and shaked and blew and and threw his coat on them and then they got healed. That is not real. It's of the devil. But there's coming a day where the whole world will gather to watch miracles and they will never be disappointed. That hunger for miracles is in us now. Be careful. He will make fire come down out of the sky on all his enemies. Any army tries to attack the Antichrist will be burned up. And when the Antichrist is dealt a death blow and put into a coffin, the false prophet will go in there and lay his hands on him and raise him from the dead and the world will wonder. will de- he, This false prophet, his main focus is to make a massive statue. How many you remember a guy named Nebuchadnezzar who when he had a dream of himself being the great world emperor, he made a statue of himself. And he required that all of his subjects bow down and worship that image. Do you remember that? And there were only three guys who did not bow. Who were they? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, that was a shadow, an example, an illustration of what it will be like during the end times, during the tribulation. He will give life to an image. Now, there's nothing I can do to make... Make a computer dance. There's nothing I can do to make a table, you know, dance or whatever. But this being has all the power of the devil, and don't you doubt the devil has the power of life and death right now. And it's only the grace of God that the devil hadn't killed us. The Bible says, Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may nibble on. It does not say that. What does it say? Seeking whom he may devour. You say, God wouldn't let me die. Are you so sure? You can fool around with sin that God will allow the devil to get you. you got to realize the wages of sin, even as a Christian, is... you got to determine, do you want God to take you or the devil? Now, the devil's not going to take you to hell, but he'll cut your life short. But he also has the power of life. And if you haven't learned, they are working on something called artificial intelligence, which blows my mind. They are working, these computer Google gurus have made a lot of progress on this stuff and it ought to terrify us because they know you. They know you. You don't even have to have the mark. All you have to have is a phone for them to know everything you do. Life to an image? How do you give life to a a, a pile of metal? Artificial intelligence? I have no idea. It's just, I just know this. A hundred years ago, nobody could conceive of this. I can conceive of it. I can see it. I've watched robots carry on conversations with people. And then he will require that everyone takes the mark of the beast. And then he slaughters everyone who doesn't take that mark. Let me talk about the mark and let me finish up. There in, in, uh, go back to uh, chapter 13, verse 16 says, he causes all, both small and great. That means you, if you're still here. Say, I'm saved, pastor, then you won't be here. But if you're still here, he will cause all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. And that no man might buy or sell, save that he had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count, here we are, the number of the beast, For it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred three score and six. Now, the mark of the beast simply is a tattoo or a symbol in the forehead or in the right hand. You know, everything symbols today. I mean, you can't, uh, for, for, I remember when, when we started texting. How many of you remember enjoying sending texts? I hated it. If you wanted to send an S, you had to hit the seven button four times. One, two, three, four, to send an S. How many you remember that? And you're like... to make three words. It was incredibly intense, complicated, time-consuming. You pick up your smartphone now, nobody texts, they send an emoji. An image. Let me say it again. An image. This mark is a symbol, an image in your forehead or in your right hand. Elon Musk now has a little device that sits in the back of, he's going to put it in his head. This thing's got a thousand tiniest little wires that they're going to drill into his head and insert into his brain. And that thing is supposed to monitor and allow him to train it to know when he wants a Coke. So he looks over at the Coke machine, and down comes a Coke, and he thinks about starting his car, and so he thinks about starting the car, and vroom, up starts a Tesla, and he thinks about coordinating a flight from, from Atlanta, Georgia to Moscow, and all of a sudden, something is printed out, and he's got on his phone, he's got a, uh, his, his ticket ready to go. He's got this thing so built up, let me tell you the opposite. That same thing can feed an image into his head. Whatever he tries to tell it, it can tell him back. An image inside of your head every day, all day, is what the devil wants. An image inside your head. Watch what you watch on television. Did you know the images that you watch on television, the things that you see and you allow your children to see, they can never get rid of. Some of us have images from when we were kids, when we got teenagers. The stuff that we picked up, the stuff that we looked at, that is still there. Amen? Well, the devil wants an image inside your head that you can never get rid of. It's himself. So it's a tattoo on the outside, a symbol in the forehead or in the right hand. It's a sign of worship. It's a sign to get you to worship. And it's a means of control. Now, all over the world, there have been for thousands of years, people have put some right on the forehead there. Happens here on Wash Wednesday. People put it right on the forehead. What is going on? Go back here. And yet there is something right now, there are companies all over this world that are paying their employees. Some of them are requiring their employees to get a chip implanted right there. It's kind of a flabby part of your skin it doesn't matter if you have something inside of it. they get used to this things about the shape of, about the size of rice it's injected with a um uh, uh, with a needle a big needle that doesn't scare you i don't know what will but they put it inside there you never have to use your credit card again you approach to a uh, uh to an entry door into a clean room and you put your hand on the the, uh, the little scanner there it talks to that chip it says hello craig ledbetter and you walk right on in There are nations all over the world that have all kinds of jewelry. I have, again, I'm going to just upset everybody, but I have been shocked at how much people seek to pierce themselves. That's getting ready. That's not of God. You are already beautiful. You do not need a tattoo. You don't need a piercing. You just need to serve God and shine for the Lord Jesus with a clean life. No man wants to marry a piece of metal that jingles. Now <laughs> well, that's extreme, I know, but I'm trying to get you. You don't need to have 57 piercings and here and here and everywhere else in your body. That's getting people ready for a mark that's in your skin. You see these things, you see, that's a that's that's the Top of the forefinger there. These are integrated circuits. They're chips, not fish and chips. They're chips that are so tiny, you can put 100 of them on the end of your finger. How many of them can you put in your body? You wouldn't even know it. You have a credit card inside the card. Guess what it has on the, what we just call it? Chip and pin. A chip's a computer chip. You can pop that thing off there, and it's got a little thing there, and there's a chip inside of there. That that little thing that you plug into talks to some, some computer uh, up in Dublin or whatever or over in Switzerland or wherever and validates your purchase. Let me talk about the name of the beast. He says, oh, by the way, can I, uh, yeah, I'll talk about this thing. So, the Antichrist is a name that he wants everyone to be repeating over and over and over. And I believe this. You can disagree with me all you want. I don't care. I'm not going to be here to find out. (laughs) But I believe his name is either Jude, Judas, or Judah. That'll be one of his names. Because that name is blasphemous to God when it's used by the devil. That name means praise. That name means worship. And if there's one guy out of the 12 disciples that turned out to be the bad egg, it was who? Judas. And only by the grace of God did Judah of the Old Testament ever, ever come out of the sin that he was in. That was because he repented. But he should have gone down in history as one of the worst um, uh, of the tribes, one of the worst sons of Jacob. Say, well, maybe he's got a different name. I don't care. That's my guess. But I got one other point to say, and that's the number. How do you know what his number is? His number is not five 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 one two one two. his number is not a telephone number that you dial, it's three digits, 666. Six, six. We already read that thing, that's no ordinary number. Here is wisdom, let him that has understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man of the Antichrist. The most important thing to watch for is his number everywhere. It is the number of a man that wants to rule the world and damn the world, it's already everywhere. You don't even have to guess it. Do you know, this thing, this barcode, this thing right here, these two digits here, these two bars here, these two bars here, these two bars here are not part of that number. They're a start and an end bit is what it's called, and a middle marker, a center bar for a pattern. These all are six, six, and six. That's what those two bars stand for, those numbers. Five is those three. Four is a blank and a bar. Three is a long and a... Thin. one is just one bar every one of those things is a number that's 6, 6 and 6 it's already everywhere you know when you buy a book or you buy a package of toilet paper you're already using 666 six, six. <gasps> I'm never buying toilet paper again <laughs> I'm going underground All right, you go right ahead that is no ordinary number it is already everywhere Computers are just complex number crunchers. And that number is somehow related to a computer on a chip. This is why I say that computers have made it possible now for one man to control whether you buy or you sell anything. Whether you can get medicines or whether you can enter or leave a country. How many of have heard about a country named China that has something very uniquely being implemented right now as we speak where people who get caught for jaywalking that slowly affects their ability to buy airline tickets. If they ever get stopped for speeding, they don't just get points on their license. They have a scale that says this person's not a very good person. We're not going to let them have the expensive stake. And as you're, I forget what it's called. Anybody remember the name of their performance scale that they have to live by? Everybody has to live up to the expectation of the government in order to be allowed to buy and sell, travel, live. You're not allowed to live in certain areas because you don't have a good enough society value. We're already at the place where the Antichrist is able to implement that all over the world. You say, that won't happen. Yes, and the world will gladly let him take over. Think about numbers and computers. Computers are being used right now to control populations. The first time anybody was ever numbered was in 1939 it was under nazi germany and it was done with a small fledging computer company in america called ibm every number that was emblazoned and tattooed on the wrist on the arm of every jew in germany that number was in a database on an ibm computer in berlin they designed the whole process so that they could number people to control them to restrict people to tell people you can you can't do that you know i'd rather god tell me what i can i cannot do than the government do it the safest people in any society are godly people because we have rules they can't think of but when the government starts having rules like you can't offend anybody that's stupid when the when the, the the government says that little children have to be taught sex education at six years old they are to be ignored well if you don't send your child to our school so be it. They control and they restrict people. Numbers are being used to, influ- uh, computers are being used to influence people. Try and live without a computer for a month. You'll be sane, you'll be happy, you'll sleep well at night. Every time you pick up your phone, you look at it, your brain goes, oh, it's time to wake up. Slap yourself and go back to sleep. It is, It infl- every image, every YouTube, everything we are influenced by is meant to influence us to protect people. You know what the goal is going to be very soon? To quickly, as soon as the baby is born, insert some sort of chip into them so that they're safe, so they can't be stolen, so that we can track them, so that we know that, so they can have their health records all their life. Watch it. To separate people from nonconformists. Oh, you're one of those. Oh, you're a, you're, you're, you want you don't, you don't want the chip we used to live in a world 25 years ago where everybody was trying to integrate everybody get together now everybody's so polarized so you're not you're not like us and everybody's fighting is getting ready so the world finally gives up and says just go with the program and ultimately computers are going to be used to ultimately damn people with a mark of worship of the antichrist i'm done where is he now? I believe he's here already. Not in here, okay? Although there are some I'm watching. Where is he now? I believe he's already on Earth. Thirty years Jesus was walking on the uh, walking on the streets of Jerusalem and Galilee, and nobody knew he was the Messiah except his mother. John the Baptist, and he didn't go around saying, by the way, I'm the Messiah. No, he was walking around, and then when he came forth, and he says, I need to be baptized, and John went, that's him. That's the man I'm preaching about. That's the Messiah, the Lamb of God. Just like that, he was around for 30 years, and then he took, he took the stage. So will it be with the Antichrist. I believe he's here already. He's just waiting for the signal. It's a shout, by the way. What's he doing? You know what he's doing? He's destroying marriages. He's polluting minds and hearts. He's creating division and chaos. All the while he's building powerful political relationships like Jeffrey Epstein did with, they have, they have his, his books now, they have 10,000 names of all the people he interacted with over the last 50, 40 years. 10,000 terrified people. Their names, I hope, come out. But this Antichrist is going to hobnob like Jeffrey Epstein never imagined. He'll be teaching peace seminars, I believe he's teaching peace seminars all over the world, every political leader, teaching them how to, how to have peace in their country. He's, I believe, developing technology that's going to make nuclear war obsolete and going to replace it with something called nanotechnology that'll wipe out entire armies in a few seconds. How do we react to it? You can't fight it, folks. You can't stop it. You're going to have to change sides. You see... When I was lost, when I was unsaved, I was in the devil's team and I didn't even know it. I was, I was scattering. Whatever God was doing, I was scattering. I was messing up. I was going my own way. I was headed for hell. And the only way to, to react to the devil's plan was to switch sides. And on God's team, I got born again and now I'm in the winning team. Now, the devil's going to work right ahead, but I'll slow him down. Because now I'm a soul winner. Now I'm a preacher. Now I'm trying to get people saved. I'm trying to keep people from going the path of the devil. That's how we fight. We switch sides. We stop going with the world. We stop running with with the ungodly. And we say, you know, I'm going to follow Jesus. That makes a big difference. Will the Antichrist, will he and the false prophet actually win? The answer is a resounding no. Revelation 19 says, I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse against Jesus. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive in the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. I know who wins. Don't think you can wait until things get bad and then get saved. I was talking to somebody, another person yesterday, and they said, everything's going pretty good for me right now. You know what that means? I don't need God. Don't wait until you do need Him, because that may be too late. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you know the verse. I mean, chapter 6 says, um, For He saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I secured thee, I have helped thee. Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Everything could change in the twinkle of an eye. We could finish up, get in our cars, and <laughs> everything changed. Are you ready to get ready? Stand, let's bow in prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let me just tell you, the future is serious. Every politician wants to make every election the election. They have no idea what they're talking about. They just, they just are going with the flow. They're just making people think it's do or die now. Let me tell you, this message is do or die. The future hangs in the balance with what you decide right now. Are you going to go with the flow and stay ignorant of this man of sin? Or are you going to let him be exposed for who he is and what he's, going, what he's already doing? Probably in your life too. Look at what you watch on television. Look at who you hang around with and say, is that the spirit of Christ? or the spirit of the Antichrist? How do you talk to people? Do you talk to people with a sharp tongue? Do you have a bad attitude? Do you tear things down? Ask yourself, is that the spirit of Christ or the spirit of the Antichrist? Do you read the Bible so that you become more like Christ? Or do you read and watch everything else so that you become more like the world and you end up like the Antichrist? Father, I've just done my best. Right now, I ask that you would humble us to look at ourselves And ask yourself, are we in the kingdom of God? Because there's a king coming, a prince in the power of the air, the God of this world, he's going to make a man, the Antichrist, in power take over this world. And he won't do it with war. He'll do it conquering without a fight. The whole world will just turn over to him. And it's happening today. I don't want it to happen in my family. I don't want it to happen in any home here. I don't want it to happen in court. I'd like to see a great awakening here where people are aware of the last days. They're aware that we can't play anymore. We have to switch sides. We have got to start living for God. We've got to stop worrying about everything else. The world says worry about your retirement. The world says worry about the next Election, the world says worry about the economy. The world says worry about, are you you married? Are you single? Do you have kids? Do you not have kids? Stop it and help us to focus on are we following Jesus? Are we really serious of getting out of here? Because there's a better world. And we we don't have to have anything here except you, Lord Jesus. So please, just right now, if somebody's not born again, if somebody's not saved, today's the day. Let them cry out to you right now from their heart of hearts, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, save me. Have them cry. Tell them, Lord, somehow convince them they can trust you now. And the rest of us, help us be busy. Somebody was busy one day, gave me the gospel. Could we do the same before it's too late, please? In Jesus' name, amen.